Good morning. Good morning. All right. This is the Funky Bunch. Although first service had you guys for a minute there, man. They were live. They were loud. Um, it's a pleasure to have you guys here. I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor. And we, sure, we certainly want to welcome you to Church at the Bridge. I see many familiar faces. I see some new faces. And hey, whether you're new or you're old, here's what, here's what the truth is. That God wants us all to be a part of his family. Right? And so today I come bearing to you good news, pointing you to the Word of God. I'm not giving you my ideas, so I just want to clarify that. And I want you to consider what God's Word says. Hey, you know, sometimes we go to church. I don't know about you, but I've been there. Where I go to church and I kind of just hear what's said, but I don't know that I've heard it. And listen to what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I'm hearing what's said, but I'm not internalizing it, and I'm certainly not going back and listening to it. Again and again. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. It doesn't say that faith comes by what you've heard. Hearing is consistent. It's continual. There's a reason why we go line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. The Bible's talking about repetition. It's talking about continually going back to the word. How many of you know that that's how we learn? Right? Well, uh, today I have the pleasure of sharing the word of God with you. And we're going to start a new series today entitled Standing Firm in the Faith. Standing Firm in the Faith. The series is based uh, on the letters that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. Um, And we should know some things about the Thessalonians uh, because they're going to serve to really encourage us to stand firm in the faith that is ours through Jesus Christ. Now, I know some of you, uh, you might not know this, but I have this little internal gadget in my ear that allows me to hear thoughts sometimes. And I heard that thought that says, ah, I know this already. And here's my question to you. Have you arrived in that area? Have you arrived? Are you so firm in your faith that you're unshakable? Are you so firm in your faith that you don't have a moment where you slip up, trip up? The Bible says that a righteous man Mind you what the Bible says, a righteous man falls seven times. But here's what it also says, he gets back up. And so today we're going to go back into the word and we're going to look at this area of standing firm in the faith. And the reason uh, I really feel that the Holy Spirit impressed this upon me a couple of months ago and I've been chewing on it and then uh, started preparing this series um, is because the Thessalonians were not your ordinary believer. Let me tell you what I mean. Uh, these people were in an area uh, called Macedonia. It was a, it was a region known for uh, its unbelief. These people were pagan people. They were what Jews referred to as Gentiles. The promises of God weren't towards them according to what the Jews believed. Um, and it was a region that was untouched. And the Bible says that there came a time, the book of Acts talks about this, where Paul gets a vision. And it's a vision from God. And in this vision, he sees a man um, of Macedonian features who says to him in this vision, come to us. We need help. Come to us. And so Paul immediately uh, discerns and understands that God is calling him and his team to go to this unchurched region, to these people who don't know Jesus. And so Paul goes to Macedonia. And he went to a few places in that region. He went to Ephesians. Uh, he, he went to uh, Corinth. He ends up going to this place called Thessalonica, where the Thessalonians were. But what's interesting is that when he gets to Thessalonica, he's only there about three weeks. That's what Bible history records. 
Paul was only there about three weeks. Why? Because he preached the message and there happened to be some Jewish uh, rabbinical leaders who were completely opposed to the message of Jesus. And so Acts 17 records that they persecute them and they kick them out basically. They, they get uh, Paul out under wraps um, and it just gets sticky and Paul ends up going to another area called Berea. And when he gets there, those Jews that persecuted him there go over there and they incite another riot and they almost kill Paul. And Paul gets raised up. And so uh, Thessalonica wasn't an easy area. But in three weeks time, the message that they received so impacted them that in those three weeks, what they believed, what they received, and what they stood upon signaled them out amongst all the churches. And even in history, according to scripture, as a church that was known for their faith, for their hope, for their love, and a church that Paul continually encouraged not to get to a point to stand firm, his words to him to them were, continually, continue to stand firm. And so you might say, well, man, shoot, I want to get there. What you may not know is that you are there. Because if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have that foundation. The Bible says that he's given you and I the faith of God. We have the hope of that is ours in Christ. We, the Bible puts it this way, that we have Christ who is the hope of glory. And we have the love of God because he expressed that unto us in Christ. So we've received that. So we, what you're going to see is that you have the same ingredients necessary to stand firm. And I want to start off by making this point to you. Stand firm. Stand firm. Because you have everything you need to do so. And so I want to begin with the end of Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians as a means of setting the mark for our destination for each week going forward. So here's what I'm talking about. Think of it this way. No one starts, no one who's uh, really serious about accomplishing anything starts off with no end point in mind. Like a race. Envision that you're in a race. You never start a race and not know where you're going to end. Otherwise, you'll be like that Olympian skater yesterday who her tongue was hanging out. Um, I don't, oh, you, oh, you guys don't watch the Winter Olympics? Oh, okay, sorry. Anyway, just something. I, I'm not going to lie. I don't watch them either. I was just flipping through the channels. But if you don't keep the end in mind, you'll tire out. And I want you to see what the end is here. Let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And Paul starts off by, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit by telling us, but we ought always to thank God for you. We ought always to thank God for you. You know what Paul's saying there? We have a very good reason to thank God for you. That's what he's referring to. But watch why. He says, we, we ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters. Tell somebody, he's talking about me. Oh, listen, there's no pride in that. God is talking to you. He says, he says, uh, uh, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm. And hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Paul's words provided a great reminder to the Thessalonians, but they also provide a reminder to us 
they tell us a couple of things. They remind us that we're chosen by God as his very own first fruits. Now, why is that important? Because what the scripture is saying is that you're the best part of the bunch. The best of God is in you. And so that, that, for that very reason, we have been set apart through what we believe in truth. That's our faith. And it also goes on to reveal to us something about this faith that he's encouraging them to continue to stand firm in. See, through our faith, according to verse 14, we share in the glory of Jesus. Now, that'll rub some feathers wrong in a religious place. I'll tell you why. Because we're talking about the glory of God. Oh, the glory. Oh, let the glory of God fall down. Listen, the glory of God simply speaks of the magnificence of God. It speaks of his excellence. Here's what it also speaks of. His opinion. What he says, his view. And so literally what Paul is saying, hey, you continue to stand firm. But why? Hmm. Let me remind you why. Because you have the right to share in the glory, in the best of Jesus. It's yours. Listen, if that ain't reason enough to stand and to stick with your faith, I don't know what is. I love the way the message uh, Bible puts it in verses 14 and 15 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, this is the life of the spirit. He invited you through the message we delivered in which you get in on the glory of our master, Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? You get in on the glory of Jesus. You're in on it. You got the inside track. And so he goes on to say in verse 15, so friends, take a firm stand, feet on the ground and head held high. Keep a tight grip on what you were taught, whether in personal conversation or by our letter. See, this is the life that we have in Christ. One where we are in on all that is of, ex of the excellence of Christ. And as a result, Paul encourages us. He encourages the Thessalonians and his words speak to this very day by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Stand firm. Hold fast. Don't let go of the truth that is yours. Amen? Amen. And so we have good reason to stand firm in our faith. First John chapter five, verse four says this. It says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God. Do I have any children of God in the house? Ow, yes. you in the house. Hey, all right, believer, I see you. Listen, you should be proud of that. For whatever is born of God, watch what God says about you, overcomes the world. But watch how. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Our faith. You don't need no self-help. You don't need to call for backup. You don't need to get on the jacket and say, get over here, I got a problem, right? You don't need to pray harder and call all your prayer warriors to storm heaven because you need, the more people that are praying, the louder it'll be and God will hear. No, listen, the word of God says you overcome by one means only, your faith. Your faith. It's enough. Why? Because the one that we look to is sufficient. Christ Jesus, right? And so we have... We, we can only overcome in this life by faith. And that's an important thing to consider because I've been there. 
I'll tell on me, I've been there where I try to overcome by every other means but faith. And then faith becomes the last resort. No, faith is the only resort that we have, ladies and gentlemen. It's the only resort. And so we can only overcome in this life by faith. Psalm chapter 40 verse 2 says this. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. Now, here's the interesting thing about this scripture. That that word rock there is, yes, it, it, it is Jesus. I know some of us, we, we think Jesus, and that's absolutely right. But here's what it's talking about in context there. When it talks about a rock, it's talking about a high place, a cliff. It's talking about a cliff that protrudes and overlooks everything. And so watch what God is saying here. He's saying, I've brought you out of a pit. I've brought you from out of the barrel. I've brought you out of miry clay. That's talking about muck, a place where you get stuck. Right? That's what it's talking about. And he says, I've brought you out of there and I've set you upon a rock. And I established and, and established, and he says, and he established my steps. Here's what I want you to see that God is conveying to us. God wants us to stand. He wants us to stand. I love the way Ephesians chapter 6 puts it. He says, and having done all to stand, what does he say? Stand. In other words, keep standing. Why? Because that's your position. Because you were created to stand. The Bible says, well, I, I kind of touched on this already, but the whole point is this, that we're created to stand and God wants us to stand. But there's a reason why. Uh, because we have a foundation of firm faith. There's something that our faith can stand on. And so I want you to turn with me to the beginning of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. And this is our jumping point today. And Paul starts by saying, we give thanks to God always for you. Always for you. Now, mind you, he's only been with them for about three weeks. He's run out of town and uh, Acts, uh, the book of Acts records that he sends Timothy back to them at, at, at a certain point to strengthen them, to encourage them. And so Timothy brings back this great report of the Thessalonians, of what God has done amongst them with the message that they've received. And what we're seeing in 1 Thessalonians 1 and in 1 Thessalonians and in 2 Thessalonians is Paul's encouragement and response to what he's hearing about what's happening in them. And so he says, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Watch this. Remembering without ceasing, what is he remembering? Your work of faith, your labor of love, and the patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. I want you to remember those three things because they're very important. In verse 4, he goes on to say, Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And so... I think of it this way. I'm a very visual person. And as I was studying for this weeks ago and, and reviewing uh, earlier this week, um, I was thinking about my life. And, you know, unless Christ returns soon, all right, or before then, uh, I will eventually come to a day where I will no longer be here. I will expire. And on that day, 
there just may be a sign or something that says a beginning date and an end date. But what I was thinking about is what will the dash in between those two dates mean? What will, what remembrance will it leave? What impact will it make? And Paul here remembers three things about them. He remembers the work of their faith. He remembers the labor of their love. And he remembers the patient, the patience of hope that they had in their Lord and, and in ours, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the reason why I share this with you is because if you consider what Paul is remembering is he's remembering a people that were characterized by something that gave them such strength that they could stand firm in what they believed. It's a foundation. And so here's a big point, uh, something for you to consider today and to leave with and, and, and to really me uh, uh, meditate upon. You can stand firm because the, the, the faith, hope, and love that you have are your foundation. Listen, our faith, our hope, and our love, everything that we've received in Christ is the foundation that strengthens us for faith. Let me prove that to you. And this isn't even in my notes. But the Bible talks about a man named Abraham. Abraham chapter 4, I believe it is. And in verse 19, it says that Abraham uh, did not grow weak in faith. But then it goes on to tell us why. It says because he did not waver at the promise that he had received. He judged God faithful to do what God told him he could do. And so here's the thing. It says that Abraham endured because he was persuaded of what God had said. So check this out. If you know anything or you want to check it out for yourself, go back to Genesis chapter 12 and look at what the Bible reveals uh, as you go check it out. But listen to what the Bible reveals. It says that Abraham received that promise when he was about 75 years old. He didn't have the promised son that God gave him until another 25 years later. But every day, Abraham, instead of being discouraged, Abraham was persuaded. Why? Because Abraham could only hold on to the one thing that he knew to be true. God said it, and it's mine. And so every day he looked at the sun, and every night he looked at the stars, and here's what he remembered. I am a father of many nations. My son, through my seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. God promised it to me. And so Abraham was fully persuaded. But guess what was in operation there? Abraham had faith. The Bible says that he believed God and it was accounted to him. It was accredited to him as righteousness. And the Bible says that, that, that God called him out. And that Abraham left his home and his father's house. And he went to a land that he didn't, he didn't know where he was going. You know what he had there? He had hope. He knew there's something more ahead. And guess what else Abraham had? Abraham had the assurance that God loved him. Abraham had all he needed. And so this faith, this hope, this love of ours is no ordinary thing. I want you to notice something. Let's go back to verse 3 of second, uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. I want you to notice something about the faith and the hope and the love that's ours. I want you to notice that it's no ordinary thing. Notice that what Paul remembers without ceasing is their work of faith. 
It's their labor of love. And it's patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are all words that speak of action. They speak of something that's going on continually. And so when the Bible talks about um, all these terms which speak of our faith, our love, and our hope, it's talking about an effective and an active response from our life. The words work of faith speak of belief and they speak of, um, I'm sorry, they speak of belief and assurance that results in the act of doing something. But in other words, it's not doing something to get something from God. Let me clarify that. This isn't, I'm going to behave so that God can bless me. I'm going to be good so that God can be good to me. You don't have to do that, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus did that on our behalf. The, 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 the covenant that we now have with God is between God and Jesus and we get the benefits. And so listen closely. It's not a, it's not a working of faith to get something from God. It's a working of faith because of who God is. We respond to God. God's word says I can and so I will. God's word says I'm healed and so I am. God's word says that he's caused me to prosper in everything that I do and so I, I do. God says that he loves me and so I'm confident in that. My identity is rooted in that. I, I'm assured of that. And so get, get what we're talking about. It's a response to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 says this. This is Paul, again, speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want you to see that what we have believed is not mere words. It is power. It is power. But here's the thing about power. Power is useless if it's not used. Power is useless if it does not have a channel from which to flow through. God wants to do great things in you. God has done great things in you. But the response of faith is what releases it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 13 and 14 gives us a clue as to that. Um, it says, and since we have the same spirit of faith. What spirit is that by the way? It's talking about Jesus. And so it says, because we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. Watch what Paul says. We also believe and therefore we speak, knowing that he who raised us up, uh, who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. See, faith that goes nowhere is like stopped up water. It grows stale. And eventually, it stinks. Our faith is meant to be active. We're, 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 every day, we should be applying our faith to something. You should be responding in faith to something. When you wake up and your back goes and you go, oh, you should go, I am blessed of the Lord. I am the healed of God. And listen, and you walk it out. Listen, you should be expecting God's best because that's the faith of God that's been instilled in us. See, working faith is a faith that has an outlet. And according to this scripture, we see that our faith is released as we believe and we speak. I want you to think about the most powerful thing that ever happened in your life. Now, for some of you, you're thinking about the birth of a child. You're thinking about... Uh, 
coming out of a really bad situation, you know, coming out of a, a relationship, coming out of a divorce and, and having re, a, a restoration. You're, you're thinking about something else. And I want you to consider what really is the most powerful occurrence ever in your life. You believed in a Christ, in Jesus, that you could not see, that you could not touch, but you believed with all your heart that God loved you so much that he paid a price that was meant for you to pay and you received that as your payment and you accepted new life. You've been forgiven. You've been declared righteous. Something no man ever was apart from God. You've embraced the very power of God. And how did you do that? You believed and you confessed. You spoke. You know what confession simply is? It's agreeing with what's been said. And so you literally believed what God said and you agreed with what he said by your own words. According to scripture, the power of life and death is in our tongue. And so when we speak, when we believe and we speak with understanding and agreement of God's word, here's what happens. Faith works. (laughs) When it talks about the patience of hope, it's referring to a joyful and confident expectation that looks forward because of the assurance that all will turn out good. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 19 and 20 tells us something about the hope that we have in Christ. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Did you get that? Firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, I want you to consider what the word of God equates the hope that we have as to. It equates it to an anchor. Now, what I love about it is this. If any of you have a boat, I don't have one, but I've had the privilege of getting on a few boats. Uh, One of our deacons, Deacon uh, 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 Lenny, he allows everyone to go on his boat uh, every week. So feel free to book it. (laughs) Excuse me, but but anyway, um, I've been on a few. I've been out a few times with Lenny and you know a few friends on their boats and all that. And and here's one thing that I that I know that when they drop the anchor, they don't see where it's going to take hold of. But they drop the anchor knowing that it will take hold, and they also drop the anchor with the confidence that knowing that it will take a hold, and because it will take a hold, they won't drift. They won't move. Now I want to show you something about. The hope that we have. Let me read this to you again in Hebrews uh, verses, uh, chapter 6, 19 and 20. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. But watch what it's revealing to us where our anchor takes a hold of. It says, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. And he has become our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You know what the Bible's revealing there? That we are anchored at the very throne of God in Jesus. And so watch this. Get this visual. Our hope gives us the firm assurance that because God is who we're anchored to, the waves may come, the winds may blow. But listen, you ain't moving, baby. You can trust God. You can trust God. I said, you can trust God. You can believe God. Listen, it doesn't matter what's coming your way. 
Do you see now how our hope makes us stand firm in the faith? It's not because we're hoping and wishing. It's because we're confidently trusting in Christ and we expect all that God has already declared unto us by his promises. And when it talks about a labor of love, it refers to the love of God. It's the word agape. But it's talking about a love that is so strong, that word labor there refers to a love that's so strong that it endures and perseveres in spite of great hardship and pain. And if we're going to look at that love, the love of God, then we need to go to that famous portion of scripture. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 13, and I want you to see the love of God. This is the love that's been expressed towards us. This is the love that we've received. And I want you to see what it says. It says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become but a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, it says, I am nothing. It says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give all my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. It produces nothing in my life. He goes on to say, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For now we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. I want you to think about something here. This is the love that you and I have received from God. It's a love that endures all things. It's a love that overcomes all things. It's a love that that never fails. It's a love that's kind. It's a love that's patient. If you think about everything that the love of God is, what you'll realize is that it's action. It's active. It's effective. And this is the love that you and I possess in Christ. And this is the love that should be at work through our lives. See, Paul remembered their labor of love, but why? They loved God so much that they couldn't help but love their enemies. They couldn't help but love each other. They couldn't help but respond in love. And here's the beauty of this love. 
We're talking about Paul here, and watch what Paul says and the impact that this love has had upon his life in verse 11. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But watch the transition. But when I became a man, what is he talking about? When I matured, I put away childish things. Listen, Paul is talking about a love that so impacted his life and has impacted ours that we go from childish understanding, childish ways, where we depend on people to show us who God is, and we begin to transition to a place where we function amongst the body, where we're growing, where we mature, and we stand firmly. Think of it this way. You can't stand firmly on your feet if you haven't gone through a process of learning to walk first. That's our faith, our hope, and our love. Before a toddler can ever stand firmly, it goes through a season of using its legs where it's becoming familiar with balance, it's taking steps, and it's growing stronger every step of the way to the point where now they not only can walk, They also have the strength to stand. Hey, that's the process that we're undergoing. We're growing, ladies and gentlemen. Tell somebody, I'm growing. You're growing. Listen, that's the the power of the love of God in your life. And so for the next couple of moments that we have here, I want to point you to a familiar story to probably most of us. And I'm I'm sure that at some point I've certainly taught this. Um, But it's the story of Jesus and his disciples. And they find themselves in a very sticky situation. Things get really, really rocky. Let's turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. It says, On that same day, when evening had come, he said to them, To who? To his disciples. Let us go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat. And so leaving the, I'm sorry, so leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. And a fierce windstorm began to blow. And waves were breaking over the boat so that it was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern asleep with his head on the sailor's leather cushion. Other versions of scripture put it as a pillow. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are about to die? I'm sure it was a lot more dramatic than that. And he got up and sternly rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be muzzled. You know what that literally means in the Greek? Shut up. Jesus told the wind and the waves, shut up. And the wind died down, of course, Jesus said it, as if it had grown weary. And there was at once a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. And Jesus said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no confidence? I'm I'm sorry. Do you still have no faith and confidence in me? And they were filled with great fear and said to each other, 
Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, I want us to consider the truth and visualize what's happening here. Jesus tells the disciples, we're going to the other side. That's where we're headed, guys. In essence, I want you to see what he did was he gave them the vision for where they were going. He gave them hope. He told them, this is where we're headed. And mind you, if you study this out, up until this point, they've been, Jesus, they've been with Jesus for a while. And he's done quite a few miracles. He's done great things. And so they've witnessed the power of God. They've seen the love of God in action. They've seen the restoration that Jesus has been bringing in instilling faith and hope and the love of God into the people of Israel. And so I want you to consider this, that faith, hope, and love was with them. Jesus. Faith, hope, and love is present. And so they, they get in this boat and they're going to the other side and all of a sudden, a storm hits. They're in a sea called the Sea of Galilee, which is known for storms because of the mountains that surround it. And so what would happen is when these fierce winds would come, they would go into, the, to, into these canals, so to speak, of, uh, that uh, encircled uh, this sea, and it would funnel in these strong winds, and it would create these storms. And so these guys, many of them were fishermen. This isn't anything that they weren't familiar with. And so... When they're on the boat, this storm hits, they start to panic. Why? Because the winds and the waves are so strong that they're beginning to take in water in their boat. Now, you might say, well, I might panic too. I think I would probably be a bit concerned if I was in Lenny's boat and was starting to sink. I, I, I think I would. I would be concerned. But there's something valuable to learn here about the role that faith, hope, and love plays as a foundation in our lives. And it should have played in theirs. And so we got a question. They're panicking. And Jesus was doing what? Sleeping. He's sleeping. And so they wake him up. And let's turn to verse 38 again. Let's put that up. Watch what they ask him. Uh, Teacher, don't you care that we're about to die? Here's what they're not saying. Hey, Jesus, we're concerned that you might sink with us. They're not even saying, hey, Jesus, I'm concerned for my fellow disciple brother here. Here's what they're saying. Don't you love me enough? Don't you care enough? Don't you know that I'm about to die? Literally what they brought into question was the love that Jesus had shown them. The presence of love that was amongst them. They're questioning Jesus. That's really what they're saying. And so as a result, the confidence that they started with in getting to the other side was quickly shaken. Listen, the book of James tells us that a double-minded man, a man who does not believe, who does not stand in faith, a person who does not operate in their faith, it says that that person is like the, the waves of the sea that are tossed to and fro by the winds. 
and that scripture reveals that a double-minded man, a man, a person between two thoughts, can expect to receive nothing from God. And so here they are sinking, struggling with two thoughts. Hey, this is the guy that raised people from the dead. But we're about to die. And the Bible says that Jesus gets up. Jesus gets up and he immediately addresses the issue. You might say that the issue that was plaguing them, that was bringing so much fear was the wind and the waves and the water, but it wasn't. Jesus said, the Bible says in verse 39, that Jesus got up, he sternly rebuked the wind, he told it to hush, uh, to be quiet, and the wind died down. Let's go to that next verse, please. Verse 40. And Jesus said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith and confidence? Listen closely. In me? The issue wasn't the wind and the waves. It wasn't the, it wasn't the water. The issue was that they had lost sight of their hope. The one that they had faith in. The one that loved them. The Christ. You know, we can all find ourselves in that position in life if we lose sight of the foundation that we have in our faith in Jesus. Our hope in his promises and in Christ and the love that we've received. I, I remember, I, I, I'm not sure exactly who was it. It might have been Lenny. We, I, I don't recall exactly when, but we were having a conversation once. And uh, Deacon Lenny was telling me about, I think we were probably talking about this story. And he asked me a question. He said to me, when a boat sinks, what's the first part of the boat to go under? I said, bro, you got the wrong guy. Couldn't tell you. I'm thinking about a life jacket at that point. And he says, the stern. You know what's interesting about what we're reading here in this, in this real occurrence that happened? Where was Jesus sleeping? In the stern. The very, the very part of the boat that was meant to go down first is where Jesus was at, resting, confident that they were going to the other side, holding them up the whole way. Is it any wonder? You know, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 says this. It says, For in Christ, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails nothing. In other words, what you do of yourself, it avails nothing. The law and all that. But watch what it says. But faith working through what? Love. Another version puts it this way. And it alludes just to the, this, this truth. That faith works through love. What love? A confident love in God. A love that embraces God's goodness. And so, what I want us to consider here is this, that they forgot that Jesus was with them. And because they forgot who was with them, they found themselves afraid and convinced the only way we're going to get out of here is dying. And so, Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3 says this. It says, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, 
we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed. Listen to what it's talking about. That which we stand on. Even though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled. Though the mountains shake with its swelling. He says God is our refuge and strength. We can't be moved. Oh, you didn't get that. You didn't get that. I'd be doing backflips on that one if I could. (laughs) The central point of our faith is Jesus Christ. The disciples had every reason to react to this storm with faith because the one they had faith in was with them. He was with them. And so while the storm was raging around them, the real threat wasn't the wind and the waves. It was their distrust in the love and care of Jesus for them. Is it any wonder that they were powerless at that time? Is it any wonder that Jesus himself had to handle it? In verse 41, it tells us something about the disciples. And it leaves us today with a moment of reflection. Verse 41 says that they were, this is after Jesus has calmed the wind and the waves. Look at where these guys were. It says they were filled with great fear and they said to each other, who then is this? What are they saying? Who really is this guy? They're still not convinced, ladies and gentlemen. Thus, they found themselves in a really bad situation. Not because of the wind, not because of the waves, not because of the water in the boat, but because their foundation of hope, faith, and love wasn't what they were standing on. You know, the Thessalonians heard the message of the gospel. And if you look at Paul's writings, what you'll understand is that Paul brought them a message that was life-changing. A message that established them in righteousness with God. A message that gave them hope and confidence that God was with them, that they were right with God, that God had great things for them, and that they could make a difference. They were convinced of that. In three little weeks, they received the gospel, and their lives would turn around, and these men and these women and these people stood firm in the midst of persecutions. That's the same faith, hope, and love that we have, ladies and gentlemen, because we're looking to the same Jesus.